Congress has talked a lot about cybersecurity legislation over the years, but finally seems to be getting down to voting on IT security legislation, at least in the House of Representatives. Hello, I'm Eric Chabro of GovInfo Security and Information Security Media Group. And to discuss the bills likely to come up for a vote, I'm pleased to be joined again by James Lewis, Senior Fellow and Director of the Technology and Public Policy Program at the Center for Strategic and International Studies. Welcome, Jen. Hi, how are you? Fine. Probably the most controversial of those bills is known as CISPA, the Cyber Intelligence Sharing and Protection Act. What's the focus of that bill and why is it so contentious? The bill itself does some very useful things. It removes impediments to information sharing that come out of some of the outdated laws we have on electronic communications and particularly ECPA. Very complex bills written in the 70s and the 80s that um, were designed for, you know, a rotary phone world, and they impede cybersecurity, right? Because companies can't share with the government, they can't share with each other, the government can't share with them. A lot of obstacles that are unnecessary. Removing them doesn't affect privacy, although there's a lot of concern in the privacy community. If that was all the bill did, it would be great. And originally, that's all it did. The famous phrase there is, notwithstanding any other provision of law, and I think they got that exactly right. There's two issues that have come up, though. Issue one is uh, safe harbor, right? And so companies get safe harbor when they share information. And, you know, suddenly people like Facebook are supporting CISPA. Well, these guys have never said anything about cybersecurity before. Why are they suddenly supporting this bill? A lot of people suspect the ability to maybe use this safe harbor for other purposes. The second problem, and in some ways the more disturbing problem, is the desire to say that if we just do information sharing, that will be enough and that will fix cybersecurity. And we all know from long experience that isn't the case, but it's become kind of a mantra among the lobbyists. And unfortunately, the House is moving in that direction. Let's go back to the the point you mentioned about safe harbor. Uh, Do you feel that it would erode privacy or not really? Um, I think the bill, uh, as written, really doesn't do anything to privacy. It does not put privacy at risk. The concern that people have is that companies will be able to share information and they will be protected if they make any mistakes. So the bill uh, goes out of its way to say no personal information. They did a good job in writing the bill. But the concern in the privacy community that I think is legitimate is you know, basically the companies could make a big mistake and they're they get a get out of jail free card. It's useful to trade safe harbor for access, but you know, the the question that people are asking is did we maybe give a little too much away? Yeah, another bill that's gaining some notoriety is the Promoting and Enhancing Cybersecurity and Information Sharing Effectiveness Act, or PRECISE Act, which got scaled back this past week by the House Homeland Security Committee. What's the skinny on that bill? That's the Lundgren bill, and Lundgren and his staff did a great job in their initial draft. It was really a strong bill. Uh, would have made a substantial difference in the national security. But for whatever reason, the House leadership decided to cut about a third of the bill out. And unfortunately, the parts they cut out were all the nouns and verbs. Still a useful bill. 
Before it was fabulous, and now it's really cut back extensively. The cutbacks involved what some people call regulations, others call, you know, I guess, establishing standards. And uh, if, I, if I believe that the bill sort of calls for collaboration among business and government to establish those standards to secure critical infrastructure that's mostly owned by the private sector. It, it also dealt with uh, giving some authority to uh, DHS to oversee the implementation of these security standards with business as well as, I guess, with civilian agencies. And there's some reluctance among some people, I guess, mostly Republicans, about giving DHS that kind of authority. Actually, that's a bipartisan concern. You know, DHS currently has some pretty good guys uh, out there. They've put a lot of effort into picking up their game in cybersecurity, but they're, you know, they're held accountable for their past record and things that are totally unrelated to cybersecurity affect them. So I had one congressional staffer tell me, you know, look at the whole Secret Service thing in Colombia. I mean, technically, I guess there's some link, you know, Secret Services under DHS, and they were saying, well, if they can't manage this, why do you want to give them more authority in cyber? Totally unfair, but that's the perception. Let's go back to the point about establishing standards. I mean, I know you're one of calls, I think, even for stronger standards than some legislation calls for, but uh, there seems to be such a reluctance among Republicans to have any kind of standards feeling that may lead to a slippery slope to more uh, severe regulation. You can uh, you can do this at home. Ask yourself, we don't need the FAA uh, to set standards for airlines because the airlines will voluntarily make sure their airplanes are safe. We don't need the Food and Drug Administration to set standards for food and medicine because the companies will voluntarily. Uh, it's just complete nonsense. And, you know, there's three things going on. You have a uh, very strong anti-government ideology. You have incredibly heavy lobbying by some industry groups. And you have this distrust of DHS. And the result will be is we'll not fix a significant vulnerability in national security. You know, that's just how it works in a democracy. We'll have to wait until something bad happens. Cybersecurity had seemed to be a pretty bipartisan uh, effort, at least the, the attempts to make laws dealing with cybersecurity. What is it that's making the political stickering surfacing now? To be fair to everyone, I think that on both sides of the aisle, they realize the significance of the problem. But if I were going to do this again, I would not do it in an election year. Of course, they've been trying this for a few years now. Yeah, and you could say it's hard to get agreement and it was hard to move forward. And now we've just essentially run out of time. I mean, there's, there's something bigger going on, the presidential election, the congressional elections, and that will displace any serious work on cybersecurity. When I say that, there's still a chance that we'll see a good bill come out of the Senate. And I think that's where our last hope lies, because the Lieberman-Collins bill still addresses critical infrastructure protection. Let's get to that in, in, in a moment. I just want to talk about at least one other bill I think is before the, the House that I think will have the greatest impact on agency chief information security officers and others charged with safeguarding the federal government's digital assets, and that's the Federal Information Security Amendments Act, which updates FISMA. That bill cleared the House Oversight and Government Reform Committee. What should we know about this bill and its prospects? It started out as really useful bill. And I think over time, it's gotten to be a little less helpful for a couple reasons. One is, again, of course, the concern about DHS. And so it restricts some of the things that DHS can do now in relation to FISMA. The other thing, and it's related, is, of course, 
transferring some of the responsibility to NIST for FISMA oversight, which doesn't make a heck of a lot of sense. NIST is not an operational unit. So we had the FISMA thing moving in the right direction, and now it's beginning to tangle itself up a little bit. There's an intent to schedule votes in the coming week on some of these bills. First, is there any other bill that the House may be bringing up? No, I think those are the big ones. You know, they've done a lot of work in the House, and the interesting thing to ask is, you had the Thornberry Working Group, which did a fabulous job, and the House has walked back from that, and I'd love to know why. Do you think any of these bills will pass, or is that hard to predict? Or No, I'm pretty sure the Rogers bill will pass, and the Lundgren bill, I don't know, but I bet it would pass, too. Okay, the Ro- the Rogers bill would be the... Uh, yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. And both of them, you know, there's nothing bad in those bills. I mean, there are concerns about CISPA, but we're talking about sins of omission in this case. Okay, let's talk about the Senate bill. We're talking about the Cybersecurity Act of uh, 2012, which has uh, four main sponsors, Joe Lieberman, Susan Collins, Jay Rockefeller, and Dianne Feinstein, mostly Democrats, uh, Collins, a Republican. Most of the committee ranking members on the Republican side in the Senate with some IT security oversight has sponsored another bill that is weaker than that one. It deals the same issue with giving Homeland Security as well as the issues dealing with regulations. Uh, You expressed a little earlier some hope that maybe this bill can pass. So what do you see its prospects and how would you get the Republicans to go along with some of the things there or would the uh, Democrats give up on those issues? Well, the Republicans are normally the party that cares the a lot about national security. And I think the hope is, and there's been two briefings by cabinet officials, and they've done another briefing just in the last day or two, which is the House, where the, you know, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs and Secretary Napolitano and General Alexander of NSA have all gone up and said, look, here's the problem we're facing, and here's why what we're doing now, the voluntary approach isn't working. We need to change what we're doing. And I think that's beginning to have a little bit of effect. One of the reasons I'm confident the bills will pass is there's probably some desire for people to say, you know, we passed a bill, so when something bad happens, it's not our fault. You're seeing an effort made to persuade people that we have to take serious action. You mentioned earlier it was bad to take this up in an election year. And people who are familiar with IT security really realize how critical that is to the security of this nation. And people are, I would say citizens are somewhat aware that there's something they got to be worried about, but it doesn't really consume them as obviously economic issues do or even other national security issues. It's so important. Why don't you think the message is getting out there? Because a lot of this is a, is a covert activity, you know, and so unless you're a victim of cybercrime, you don't know about it. One of the things I think is funny is that people who do this know the track record. Uh, there's probably no Fortune 500 company that hasn't had some kind of unhappy experience. But if you look in the press, the trend is to conceal it. People don't want to say, yes, we've been hacked. Yes, your stuff is at risk. Yes, shareholder value has been damaged. That's perfectly reasonable from a business point of view, but it means that folks out there don't have a good understanding of the real cost and the real risk to the United States. Thanks, Jim. Anytime. I've been speaking with James Lewis of the Center for Strategic and International Studies for GovInfo Security and Information Security Media Group. I'm Eric Chabro. Thanks for listening.